0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. Struggle Creates Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are joined by 25-year-old Keith Arrington. I know that everyone is going to love his story and maybe even receive the wake-up call that they need from it. When I first met Keith, I was instantly drawn in by his energy and passion. He's the last person that I ever suspected to have mental health struggles, but he truly proved the point that everyone has a story. Keith talks most about his past party life and when he ultimately decided to change his life and follow his passions of being a fitness coach. Keith is such a genuine person, so him sharing his story to help other people is no surprise to me whatsoever. I hope everyone enjoys his story and I hope that everyone could take a page of wisdom out of his book of life. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Raincoast Clothing. Raincoast Clothing is a clothing company based out of Vancouver Island, Canada. They represent nature by embracing adventure, spontaneity, and health, both physical and mental. They've recently decided to join my mental health movement and donate 5% of profits from every item of clothing towards mental health awareness. Also, we have collaborated and created a Struggle Create Strength T-shirt, which has 100% of profits going towards mental health awareness. Go to raincoastclothing.com and help support mental health while getting yourself some great clothes. Now, I hope you enjoy Keith's story And just remember that everyone has a story. Hello, sir. How's it going, dude? (laughs) What's up? You are set up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is sick. I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely, my man. Is this is this
1: going to be on video also?
0: It can be if you want it to be, absolutely.
1: Sure. If you if you want it to be, absolutely. I just saw like the nice setup in the back and everything. You're like perfectly centered. I'm like, oh my God, okay. (laughs) Let's do it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's just a good way to start spreading positivity. Just get get some laughter in us, and it's the best way to do it. (laughs) Absolutely, my man. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. And obviously, like first and foremost, I just I truly do I truly do want to just thank you for actually coming on the podcast and speaking up and you're a person that always inspires me and I know that we've we've talked about this a bit but you uh you always you always keep me motivated you always keep a lot of people motivated and you do a lot of great things and I think you're the first one to to talk about your story and you're you have so much strength for doing that and I just I envy you for that and I'm so excited to have you share your story and so excited to have you on the platform finally it's it's been a long time in the works but i i'm oh i'm just so excited for this
1: hell yeah my man i'm excited too like i i've i've been saying to as and like everyone in the house like man i'm so nervous to kind of share this side of me but i know that um you know like the name of the podcast is struggle creates strength right and all this stuff that i've been through like everyone everyone like you say has has their own story and um you know, there is a little bit of me when I was kind of writing this out, that was kind of when I was writing, I'm like, Oh, is this like really worth sharing? Is this really worth, is this like kind of good enough to kind of talk about And I'm like, no, like you said, everyone has a story and this is my story and that's what's authentic to me. So that's what, you know, I'm, I'm going to share. Right. So I'm excited on that.
0: Yeah, no, I know. And there's even, there's so many people that will look at their stories and like, I've had people say that exact same thing. They're like, Oh, I don't know if my story is good enough. I don't know if I went through enough trauma and it's like, it's not, it's not a competition for who's been through the worst things. It's, it's literally like you have your story and your story is going to help somebody regardless. And it's even like, there's people that will come on the podcast and they haven't necessarily struggled with mental health struggles, but they have just gone through like their own personal, I don't even know how to say it but basically they just focus on mindset and where how to get their mindset to a better place. And it's the same for like everyone. It's always different. And every story has the potential to help somebody else. Like I always say, but, and it's super cliche, but it's so true. And your story is definitely going to hit home for a lot of people and it's going to help a lot of people. And I'm so excited.
1: Yeah. So I've had a few people reach out to me already being like, Hey man, I'm super excited for you to share your story. I know yours is, you know, pretty similar to mine. So I'm excited to see what you have to have to say. And these are people that I didn't really grow up with, or I just kind of um, started talking to within the last year, but they say, I'm excited for you to share this. Like I just, from your post, it already really speaks to me. So I'm excited to see what you went through. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, here's the full uncut raw unfiltered, version of this story and i know that um, you know when i first made my original post talking about um, drug abuse um, i was super scared to do it like i remember having my my finger over the post button on my phone uh, and justice was beside me my roommate and he's like man just do it and i remember i pressed post i flipped my phone over and i just just like cleared everything out and i remember looking back at my phone maybe an hour or so later and it was just support after support after support from everyone. And I'm like, this is incredible. And you know, it, it just put me into the, into the space where it's like, everyone's gone through something, every, every little weird thing that you think you've done in your life or weird emotion that you felt in your life, someone else has felt the exact same way. And that's what creates that, you know, that, that feeling of togetherness. And I, I absolutely love it. So I'm super excited to, to get it going my man.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, even just to speak off that before we get into your story yeah. it honestly what I find anyways is like I did the same thing I remember hitting post when I first announced all of this and really told my story and as soon as I hit post is the same thing like I put my phone down and just kind of like went and did something else for a little while and when you come back to it and you see the support that people have and see all the respect that people have for you and just all the little messages that somebody sends you, like, they might think it's just, like, a little message isn't the, like, isn't the biggest deal, but for me, anyways, it was always, it was an insane feeling, and just this feeling of creating a community, like, basically, like you said, and that's when, that's when it becomes cool, and that's when these platforms really, like, you really see how they affect different people, and you really see what they can do, and what has the potential to do, and that's why, now today it's it's forming another whole community and it's it's yeah it's so exciting but i i think we i think it's time that we actually have you just jump right into your story and really just explain like where where you actually come from and explain who you are and how you got to where you actually are today and what you've what you've actually encountered
1: yeah absolutely my man um so just to kind of pre-frame all of this, my story is all about uh, drug abuse and what's how growing up where I grew up kind of brought that about uh, in my life. And when I was writing out the the notes that I wanted to to cover for this episode of the podcast, I'm like, man, where do I even like where do I even like really begin? Um, but I feel like the first thing that I want to start talking about is my first year of high school. So. Throughout middle school, you know, you start to learn about, you know, drugs and, you know, in the fifth grade, you start hearing about, you know, DARE, like the, the yeah. drug abuse, resistance education, um, you know, platform through school. And you always think to yourself like, oh, yeah, uh, doing drugs isn't cool. Um, it's it's never going to be something that I end up doing. And, you know, when you get into middle school, when you start um, bringing all these different groups of friends together, you get all these different idealisms from everyone else, not just from the people that you grew up with for the fa- uh, for the first 13, 14 years of your life. So that, that group of people that I grew up with in elementary school, um, you know, this was something that we never talked about. We just went through elementary school, drugs was never a thing. No one talked about drinking, obviously. And by the time we got to the seventh grade, um, kind of like hearing about people smoking weed or people doing drugs in the ninth grade and us being like, Holy cow, like middle school's kind of crazy. Um, it's just, it, it was nothing that I really expected, um, to kind of happen, uh, in my life. So basically I start fast forwarding. I feel like the real story kind of begins, uh, grade nine going into grade 10 for me, um, going into grade 10 is the first time I ever heard about Molly, for example. So Molly is MDMA, it's a party drug that a lot of people take at music festivals or um, other parties. And I think the first time I heard about it was just a, an older friend of mine from um, the high school that we were at.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was telling me about it and telling a bunch of my friends about it. And I remember that Center of Gravity was uh, one of the places or one of the music festivals in town that a lot of people ended up going to in the summer. And growing up, I was always like kind of like locked down at home, I never really had um, a bunch of friends to go hang out with or anything like that. And I remember seeing like photos or videos from Center of Gravity being like, holy cow, there's like, you know, 2000 5000 people, there, all partying and having a good time listening to music and stuff. And I remember just being like, man, I really, I really envy that I, I want to be there. And I remember talking with my buddy, I was at his house with another friend of mine who was my age. Uh, again, this is going into grade 10 about center of gravity and thinking like, Oh, we should go. That looks like a fun time. We should, we should do it. And You know, my older friend of mine was telling us about Molly, this drug. And I remember going home that night being like, man, what is this? Like, you know, he's telling me all this great stuff about it. It looks like it's a lot of fun. I remember, I think I went on to Reddit and I just started like reading up on it. And to be completely honest, I didn't see like a single negative thing about it. I remember searching like, Anytime I look up even like medication or anything like that, the first thing that comes up is like the WebMD and then side effects. And I remember I went through Reddit and all I read was like, I had a great time. It was amazing, this is awesome. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, ignorance is bliss. If all I hear is that it's awesome, like I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, go ahead and do it. Um, At that point, obviously um, my mom didn't know I drank um, she just knew I hung out with friends and stuff like that. So I remember we ended up buying some. Uh, we went to our buddy's place and I think we like I remember like we were crushing it up between two bowls and we were like looking at it. And I was like a little bit nervous. My heart was like racing and they're like, "Yep, go into the music festival. Just go take it and you're going to have um, this amazing time. So I remember this is the first time I'm ever going to a music festival ever also. Um, I had it in the like I had it in my sock or something going through security and growing up I was always like the kid to like obey the rules and I never wanted to get teachers angry and stuff so I remember just going into this music festival not knowing people were going to pat me down or um, like what this environment was and I remember rolling up to the gate just being like shaking nervous like i look like i looked like a dude carrying a bomb through an airport or something like i did not look okay um but i ended up making it into the music festival and um you know my buddy and i who planned to take it at the same time we were like all right at this time we are both going to do it and we're just going to send it and i think it was three o'clock or four o'clock or something and we finally decided to do it i remember <laughs> I remember taking it and immediately thinking in my head like okay I have about 15 minutes before I can't just like eat the fingers and throw this up and be fine so I had the next 15 minutes to really decide do I want to do this or am I going to go into a porta potty and abort mission Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure I just kind of forgot about it talking with other people at the music festival uh, just having a good time and then all of a sudden it just hit me like a brick wall and I was like you know, like, holy cow, like, I remember taking that first breath and being like this, like this breath was so clean, like the air felt amazing, like my eyes were just wide open with this like pure euphoria. And I remember, I don't know why this is like one moment that really sticks out in my head uh, when I talk about this. But I remember, you know, 15 year old kid, just, you know, in the middle of a music festival being like, why doesn't everyone do Molly all the time? This is amazing. And I'm like, I'm just like this complete weird kid. Like everyone's staring at me funny. And you know, like, you know, for anyone who's ever done Molly out there, like I'm sure you guys know it's the, you know, you talk to everyone humanly possible. Your, your confidence is literally a 30 out of 10. You want to walk up to anyone and everyone who will give you any type or time of day. And you just think you're basically the king of the world. And I remember that night, it was just pure, you know, great moments, great times. And I'm just like, wow, this, this was literally one of the best moments of my life. And it was something that I just like stuck onto for the next two or three years, um, like of my life. Um, so going into high school, I remember, you know, telling people about that moment being like, dude, it was incredible. Like, it was awesome. Like, I can't wait to do it again. Um, so moving forward throughout high school. um, I was just always looking for the next music festival to go to or the next experience that I could go to and do it again. And I didn't think anything weird of it. I'm like, this is incredible. I've never seen anything negative about it. No one was really talking about it. I'm like, did we just find something that is like just this great thing and there's no negative side effects to it. And um, moving forward, I think one of the next times I did it Um, one of the next times I did, it was at a Steve Aoki, um, like concert in Vernon. Um, and that was the first negative time that I ever had, um, with MDMA. So Steve Aoki, um, a bunch of us decided we were all going to go together. It was the 11th grade. We all decided we were going to have a couple of DDs. We're going to drive down to Vernon, go to Cal tire arena, Cal tire center and go to this festival. And I remember I was the kid who was telling people about it being like, you know, this is a bunch of your guys' first times. Like, this is what you're gonna expect to feel. This is what's gonna happen, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I felt like I was like the person people came to for this knowledge. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Cause again, I had no negative mm-hmm. effect from it. So the whole night went by, um, we all had a good time. And I remember getting driven back home and it was maybe three o'clock in the morning. And the next day we had class, um, like in high school, like the the concert was like on a Thursday or something like that. And at RSS we had a class called basketball class and it happened at seven in the morning. And this is the first time I knew that, I guess like someone else noticed that I was doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in basketball class and you know, one of the effects of Molly is that you sweat and you know, your jaw kind of rattles around and stuff like that. And you know, your lips get all red and stuff like that. And I remember being in basketball class and people who have done it before, they know that, you know, if you ever sweat, like soon afterwards, you kind of get that same feeling uh, for a little bit. Cause like your blood's racing. And I remember one of my teachers in basketball class came up to me after class was over and was just like, Heath. he, uh, come here. And I'm like, well, yeah, what's what's going on? And he's like, is everything okay? And immediately like my heart sank and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm I'm absolutely fine. And I just remember just like running away from him. And I'm like, I remember looking into the mirror um, in the bathroom at school being like, what the fuck? Like, is, is everything okay? Like I'm looking at myself like, why did he ask me that? And eventually a couple of days went by and it wasn't really brought up again, but I did notice um, that the next couple of days afterwards, that my mood just wasn't the same. Um, generally, a super happy kid, um, always, and then the the crazy rush of dopamine um, during that time frame where I was, you know, using that at, at Steve Aoki, uh, it just got amplified. So the next day and day after, I was just in this little bit of a lull, a little bit low. Um, so that was kind of like my first scary moment with it, where I was like, something just doesn't seem right. It isn't all sunshine and rainbows, as I thought. Um, moving forward through the 11th grade, you know, it's it, it's high school. You know, we were kids, we drank, we partied. Um, you know, I, I did Molly occasionally um, at bigger events or passing the torch or just, I'm like, oh, just big events. It'll be absolutely fine. That's uh, not too much at all and then the next two kind of moments with this were really where the the scares really started to settle in um, next festival that we ended up going to was Flux Pavilion again in Vernon um, loaded a bunch of us in a car and decided to go down there and a bunch of buddies And or actually no we took a bus down there um, like a school bus they had a school bus drive people from Kelowna down there a bunch of us went all together. Um, a buddy of mine and I decided to split on some, and he was absolutely tanked when we were in the bus together. And I had no idea if he was going to make it in or not. Um, we were in line and the buddy that I decided to split with, he, he was just absolutely gone. We were just drunk at the time and he decided that he was going to turn around and take a piss just like in line. he like he ended up getting um, brought to the drunk tank because we're in a line. Like there's people all lined up behind us, and he just decided, oh, like I don't want to do it. In front of me, turns around and whips it out and just starts peeing. And anyway, he goes to the drunk tank and um, he ended up having um, like the other half of the drugs on him. All right, which is a key moment in this story. Um, so we go into the festival. Um, you know I decided to do it you know I usually do it maybe three hours or two hours before the main event and you know I'm expecting the same euphoric um, you know ever like loving high and I just never happened and I remember just feeling my heart beating and I remember looking in the mirror in a porta potty and because usually I'll see like my eyes just wide and like a big smile on my face and like all this crazy, happy euphoria. But all I remembered was this just like dirty feeling and my heart racing, like really hard. And I had no idea what was going on. Um, We were going through the night and you know, the, the music was playing. And usually at this time I'm just like engulfed by the music and just dancing around and having a good time. But I remember just like staring down at the ground And just like not having a good time. I just knew something was completely wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, by the time we ended up making it home, I had literally just been struggling to stand up or struggling to make any sort of movement all the way home. We got back on the bus and we get dropped back off downtown and we get a ride back to my buddy's place. And I remember just my heart was just in so much pain and I was not smiling I was not happy I felt this like crazy paranoia of everything happening around me and that my mom was going to show up to my buddy's house and everyone was going to see that I wasn't okay and my mom's my buddy's mom was going to come into my room and uh you know be like yo Keith like what's going on like what the hell what the hell are you doing so I end up going to bed in the guest room and I remember putting the covers over, over myself and I remember trying to go to bed, it's maybe four in the morning and all I remember doing was sweating and I'm, and when I say sweating, I mean, like I was running a marathon type of sweating and I wasn't moving. Like I'm literally under the covers, it's middle of December and I'm just sweating profusely and his guest room was inside of their computer room so I also knew that his dad comes into the computer room in the morning to get some work done so I'm under the covers it's four o'clock in the morning and let's say eight starts rolling around and I start to see the sunlight kind of peer through like the blankets and I start to stress out I'm like oh my goodness I haven't slept I've just sweat this whole time um another fun fact my my mom and my aunts knew that I was at my buddy's place and my aunts were coming to visit from Calgary and I told them that I would come meet them that morning to say hi, but they knew I was at my buddy's place. They ended up coming there and I heard them honking outside of, um, his house. And I was under the covers, just freaking out and I did not end up coming out at all. Um, It was literally one of the scariest moments I've, I've ever had with it. Um, but moving forward from that, I still decided I was going to do it again. And there wasn't really like a, a moment where I really sat down and thought to myself, like, okay, all of these bad moments are happening. Like, why do I keep doing this? And it really was because that first moment that I ever did, it was in my head, the best moment of my life that I just wanted to keep trying to chase the dragon and get that high back and, Mm -hmm. uh, make sure I got back to that moment. Um, continuing forward, like I pair that with, you know, all the times I've been to Pemberton, which I also consider some of the best times of my life with the best people of my life. And I taught, I, I realized that me doing drugs in those times were a big part of those experiences. And I've tied the best moments of my life. And then I did Molly on all these occasions, like together in my head where I feel like if I wanna have that good moment, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ended up not being the case. So, like I said, moving forward, um, our friends at this point, it just became a lot more accustomed to on the weekends do it at parties or go to any music festival or every show or any bonfire and just decide we were all gonna do drugs basically um i had a a few friends of mine who kind of got deep into like into the drug world and never really came out um you know like even even so today just kind of like knowing where they're at it, it it's crazy to see where certain moments in people's lives have changed them into what they are today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I say, like, when I say this on the podcast, like I I realize that I get a little nervous to say my friends or these people or whatever, because I know that if these people listen to my voice, when I say that um, they're going to think I'm negatively speaking about them, but I'm really not like the one thing that I want to say before I move forward is that I care about all of these people, you know, Mm -hmm. more than anything in the world. Like, you know, even just thinking about me saying that right now makes me want to cry because I love these people so much. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, those were, those were times in my life where I know that because I hung around that situation, doing drugs on weekends and partying all the time. And like those people, like, that's what I became, that's what became normal to me. And that's what I thought, you know, the purpose of me living my early 20s was, Um, you know, you hear all the time, like, oh, I'm I'm young, I want to party, I want to do all this stuff. And absolutely, like, you know, you're young, you should enjoy life, um, you know, as much as you can, you know, from when you're 20, 30, 40, however many years old. Um, But at some point, you know, those decisions that you make that you think, I'm just having fun, um, could catch up with you, whether it be now or, um, 10 years from now, or someone being negatively affected by your choices or something like that. Um, it's, it's going to happen. Um, so Pemberton 2014 rolled by, um, it was five straight days of me having an awesome time. But if I think back to it, I don't remember a second of it. It was, I remember driving there and I remember driving home five days later and I'm like, holy cow, how did this time go by so quickly? Mm -hmm. Um, And like this, this right here, like the next story that I want to tell is definitely the scariest uh, moment I had. So from the, from the first time that I ever did Molly to, the end of Pemberton 2014, I would say the amount of good times I had versus the amount of bad times, um, was starting to slope in a negative direction. Um, at first it was like, every time I did it, it was amazing to like, every time I did it, that was good. It wasn't as good. And every time I did, that was bad. It got worse. Mm -hmm. Right. So it just was this kind of like line graph moving down. Um, so (laughs) This, this is a scary moment for me to talk about, but, um, oh man. So it was a party at one of my buddy's house for his girlfriend. And I remember I had a little bit left in my center console in my car and I decided to go into the center console in my car and go do some without anybody knowing. Um, this is, this is model that I had never tried before. I think I had bought it for, a bigger event like two or three weeks from that time. And I did it and I remember going back into the party and it was somebody's birthday or something and everyone started singing, everyone started singing happy birthday. And I remember singing it, but in the most, I'm messed up kind of voice. Like as a Filipino, like we sing karaoke like quite often. So like the voice is like, you know, pretty decent. (laughs) But I remember, I remember singing it and I sounded like a maniac, like from what I remember. And this whole party is going and everyone's singing happy birthday to this girl. And I remember I grabbed one of my friends, um, not like aggressively or anything. And I just got, I started to like, cuddle up real close to him just cause I was so messed up. And I remember him going, yo, what the, what the fuck are you doing? And the whole party just, just stopped, you know, the little like DJ scratch when like everything just goes silent. They're just like, and like everyone just kind of looks at you. Like that moment happened for me. So that moment happened. And I remember just my eyes were wide open being like, Oh my God, like, I messed up, like what, what's going on. And then I just completely black out and I, visually blacked out but i could still hear everything that was going on so so in my head it's literally just a rolling movie of pure darkness and then these words coming from people keith get on the couch keith are you okay uh keith get in the car um keith your legs not in the car get in the car and eventually they brought me to one of my buddy's place who had um say like a a garage that we all like used to hang out in in high school and we were all chilling there trying to unwind and my two friends knew that I was not okay whatsoever like I could not go home or my mom would probably cry her eyes out just to see like the condition that I was in so they were taking care of me they brought me to my buddy's place and I'm sitting on uh, like this workbench or something and one of my buddies took a video of me and like what I was doing just to kind of show me the next morning. And again, I remember this moment, like audio, like the audio of this moment, like people saying, Keith, you look like, like you look messed up, dude. Like what's going on. And I don't remember seeing anything visually, but the next day um, he had ended up showing me the video and I was like I was the definition of the person that you would see, uh, on East Hastings, like, like just absolutely out of their mind, like corner of Hastings in Maine that you're like, I do not want to be near this guy. He looks like he's going to attack me. Like, that's what I look like. And it was one of the scariest videos I've ever seen of myself, um, in my life. And whenever I think back to that, I'm always like, man, like, I know I told him to delete it, but I really, really really hope he deleted it. It's just like, it is the darkest moment like of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, like after I've been completely blocked out, I'm absolutely tweaking out on this couch and they end up taking me back to my buddy's place who had the computer, um, like the, the guest room with like the computer room in it. Mm-hmm. And they take me into the basement. And in the basement, there's no windows. Um, there's like a pole in the center of the room. It's just like this big concrete block of room. Um, and I remember snapping out of it, like my eyes open and I could see again. And where I was, was I was holding a PlayStation controller and I was playing Call of Duty. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing, I guess. And uh, like enemies would pop up on the screen and I'd start to try to shoot at them, but I'd be spinning in a circle or like shooting at the ground. Like I was just absolutely messed up. And I noticed that my two buddies who were taking care of me, um, were not there to be hanging out. They were taking care of me because they were falling asleep. And I realized in my head, okay. Um, I have my two best friends taking care of me right now. I'm obviously messed up. I feel bad so i say to them both hey um i'm pretty tired i think i'm gonna go to bed like i'll just sleep down here um good night and i realized at that time it was five in the morning and they're like okay sounds good if you need anything just literally just call us all right and i'm like okay sounds good so like i said no windows in the basement whatsoever and he turns out the light and no windows. You would think you're not going to see anything Light TVs off lights off. And I'm going to take you down this crazy journey of everything that I saw. It was yeah. the scariest moments of my life. Um, it's usually pitch black down there, but I could see absolutely perfectly. There was this orb of light that was flying in different directions and hitting different walls in the room. And I could see so clearly in those different areas of the room. And I'm like, okay, like I'm pretty messed up right now. Um, uh, let's see if I can call myself down with some TV. So I turned on the TV. Uh, I put on family guy and every, every little bit of family guy that I was watching. Um, you know how like family guy has like all the bright colors and everyone's just very happy and cheery and blah, blah, blah. The whole show had this really dirty paper tinge to it. Um, it it just looked everything looked wood colored basically and when brian and stewie were talking to each other it was just the craziest reverb you've ever heard so stewie would say brian 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 lois 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 and i'm like okay i don't know if this is part of the show or not and i honestly watched stewie and brian's like whole bodies like melt off of them and i'm like staring at the tv like gripping both sides of the couch like okay things are not right right now like that's not happening um i looked at my hand and i'm just like picking out little pieces because i don't remember how it all perfectly flowed i looked at my hand and it was just like this um this little twirl like this little whirlpool that was going on in my hand i looked at the cement uh beside me the cement wall and it was like caving into itself um I decided okay I just need to like turn off all the lights and just try to go to bed and I remember turning off the tv and looking into the room to see if I could still see a light and I saw like this person and he wasn't really there and he's looking at me and I remember in my head not being scared because I know that I was just really messed up and he ended up just shooting right up to me like nose to nose with this figure, basically. And him and I just had this stare down for a good 15 minutes. And then I don't remember the rest of what happened after that. And that was, again, seriously the scariest night of my life. And I remember going back to school, um, you know, maybe a week or so later, being like, I don't even know what happened. Is everyone okay? Like, I'm sorry that you guys had to see me like that and it was just you know some of the worst times that i've ever experienced and i really thought at that point okay i've seen the darkest days of this i i i've literally seen it Mm -hmm. um there's no way that i'm gonna do like this again like this isn't right like i tell people about this experience and they're like man i don't know if you, you did molly man that sounds pretty crazy and i'm like it happened. Like I didn't do anything else. Like that's seriously what happened. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just like reading through my notes here. And, um, (laughs) so yeah, like continuing on, I basically continued down that journey for two more years, 2015. Um, I went to every music festival in BC in July and August. Um, I, I was once proud of this before, but uh, I did, I ended up doing Molly 17 out of 30 days in July. And it's weird to be able to say that on a podcast, knowing that that's going to be broadcast to literally everyone. But that was literally my life. And that was, I was like, yeah, it happened. And I remember the whole um, month of August, I was just in this pure depression. I was just the lowest of the low. Um, I couldn't get out of bed. I, like I just did not want to get up. I did not want to eat. I had lost maybe like 20 pounds just cause I was hyped up all of July. Mm-hmm. Um, it was by that point, it was literally just a 50 50 shot of if I had the worst time of my life or it was decent. And for some reason I still believed, okay, this time might be the time where it's as good as that very first time, but since that first time and in you know what uh four or five years of doing this um it never it never was the same and you know after after that we get up to 2017 um i think it was oh my goodness frosh um was one of the last times i had done it for a while and i'd gone through frosh um got a little bit too messed up again and the next day i had class again and this was in university at this point and i remember not feeling great i felt hung over felt upset um i had a good time last night but i was in class just you know drudging through it and i i was one to like take up a bunch of monster energy drinks or a lot of coffees just to kind of get me through the day. And I remember taking a look at, um, a monster energy drink, can, and I, I turned it around and in big words, um, it just really stuck out to me and it said, warning high caffeine content. And my eyes just went pins and needles, just like focused on that phrase. And my heart just was exploding out of my chest and I remember in a lecture hall of 200 people, I got up and I just sprinted to the bathroom. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror being like, what is going on? Like, are you having a heart attack right now? And I remember texting my buddy who was in class with me. I'm like, Hey man, do you mind grabbing my stuff? I'm not feeling too good right now. Um, I, I think I'm going to go home. He's like, are you sure? Are you good? I'm like, yeah. So I sprint. Um, down to j-lot and i go into my car and i have full intention of driving myself to the hospital and i remember talking to myself in the car yelling at myself saying just keep beating like heart you 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 got this like don't stop like i'm getting you to the hospital just you we got this and i remember sitting in the left turn lane on reed's corner and we were stopped there forever. Like I I had just hit a yellow light. So it was like five minutes before I could start moving again. And I remember sitting in my car with all people around me. And I remember I needed so badly just to get out of my car and just start running away from everything that was happening. And I didn't. And, you know, I ended up making it through that moment. I didn't end up driving myself to the hospital because I've always been the I feel like I've always been the type to think like, oh, I'm I'm overreacting. Like this, it's not as bad as I think. Or I don't know if that's just like a trait of me or other people. But if I'm like sick, like in the past, like I wouldn't go to the doctor. Be like oh, I'll get over it. So that's kind of how I felt in that moment. Um, so I ended up going to my buddy, uh, my buddy's place, and kind of told him what was going on, and. Um, he didn't really understand what I was saying. I just said, my heart felt like it stopped and I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and that basically started this three month, like slew of anxiety for me. And it's something that I never dealt with before in my life. Um, I had heard about people getting anxiety, um, or depression and in my eyes, all I saw it out to be was oh you're nervous oh you're sad like I get nervous I get sad it's whatever and then for three months straight and I'm not exaggerating whatsoever I had a panic attack for breakfast lunch and dinner like I woke up and I had a panic attack like if I I woke up and I realized I was awake I would shoot out of bed and just like kind of like grab my chest and be like oh my god oh my god so like I got out of bed immediately as soon as I woke up um, by the time the end of the night came, I had just been so exhausted from trying to fight back these anxiety attacks that I fell asleep so quickly, but I couldn't go to school. I couldn't talk to my mom. Like I couldn't go hang out with friends. I couldn't go to the gym. I, I literally just couldn't do anything. Um, it got to the point where I'm just like, I need to see my doctor about this. There, this can't be happening to me right now. And I go to my doctor and I told her what happened. And I told her, I thought it was panic attacks. I thought it was anxiety attacks. I told her that at first I thought it was a heart attack. And she assured me that, no, it just sounds like you are having panic attacks. And the piece of advice that she gave me, um, which helped me, but hurt me a lot in that moment um, was just try not to think about it. And I remember being there, feeling so scared, wondering, is this really the advice that you're going to give me right now? When I literally feel like I'm dying every day. I literally feel like the world is collapsing in on me. And that's not an exaggeration. I feel like everything in the world is ending. And I remember sitting there when she told me that news and, Usually I'm very submissive and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, sounds good. And perfect. And in that case, I'm like, I literally said like, are you serious? Like, is that really all that you can do for me? And she'd been my doctor for a really long time. And she saw that I was struggling and she decided, okay, um, I'm going to prescribe you adivan which is uh, a benzodiazepine. Um, it's a fast acting, um, anti-anxiety medication from what I remember and she's like I'm gonna prescribe you 20 but promise me you will only take them if you absolutely need it and I'm like fine perfect I I can I can do that I'll take it when I absolutely need it so by this point I had not done drugs since um frosh, since that last music festival it's been four months now of just pure anxiety and I remember the first day that I ever had the Ativan around me and my whole game plan was, okay, if I have a panic attack, I will take one because that's when I would need one. So lo and behold, next morning I wake up and panic attack happens. And I'm like, okay, this is the time I'm supposed to take this. Let's, let's see what this thing can do. Then I take an Ativan and I put it under my tongue. And she told me that it goes into effect in about 45 minutes. 45 seconds to a minute and exactly what she said would happen, happened. I just stopped thinking like it, it wasn't some sort of euphoric feeling or I felt drowsy or I felt any kind of way. I just couldn't think like I couldn't form proper thoughts. Like the words that were slamming into my head from everywhere just weren't happening. I didn't feel like the world was caving in on me. It just felt like nothing was happening up here. And I'm like, wow, this feeling of numbness right now is incredible. Like, this is, I I love this. Like, I've been feeling this negative emotion for 16 weeks. And this is the first little dose of, this will help you. So from that moment on, every time I had a panic attack, I decided I'm going to take an Ativan uh every morning I started with an Ativan every time I felt like I had was gonna have a panic attack I had an Ativan I ended up refilling my prescription uh three times from what I believe and um I don't think I I don't think I lied to my doctor about it but I may have like I may have exaggerated the fact that I was being sparing with it um I ended up telling her like every time that I had a panic attack and you know, I said, yeah, i thought it through a couple of times, but you know, it's just really hard. And she's like, okay, here's a prescription for another 20 and then another 20. And finally, um, I don't remember exactly what had happened, but I, I'm pretty sure I couldn't go in to see my doctor for maybe like two weeks or something. Cause her time schedule or something. And I was running out of that event and it was in the middle of exam week, uh, at university. So, I remember I was gonna save two out of N for my exams because they were gonna be the most stressful times of my life, and we're in the UBCO gym, and I'm about to write my my psych exam, and we have the TAs walking up and down the aisles, and um, our psych teacher walking up and down as well, and I remember sitting there. <laughs> And I have a test in front of me. It's like 140 questions. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be here for three hours. Guy at the front of the the gym says to me, or says to everyone, "All right, guys, uh, this is your psych 101 or some psych 112 test. Um, you have to be in here for a minimum of an hour and a half. No one can leave, uh, and no one can come in for the next hour and a half." And I immediately just freaked out. I'm like, oh my god, I'm trapped. Like I, like if I freak out, like like something bad is going to happen. And instantly um, I took an ad and I'm like, okay, hey, this is going to help calm me down, but it didn't. And he said, all right, begin. And I had the ad under my tongue and I'm just like doing my breathing exercise. And I'm looking down at my test and it's not stopping. Like my heart just keeps racing. I keep thinking. And I remember just getting so uncomfortable and I put my hand up and I remember like doing one of these like I just felt so weak and he came up to me and I'm like I I need to go to the bathroom like he's like like we just started like are are you okay I'm like please please I like I'll tell you if we can just go outside for a second like I need to go to the bathroom
0: Mm.
1: and I told him what was happening and he told my teacher what was going on and my teacher came in to check in on me um and then I got back to the exam and eventually I had calmed down and everything had gone fine um but again that was another really scary moment in my life where i'm like oh my god i'm trapped here and i i can't like i can't leave um you know moving forward um i only had one ad left and i know i couldn't see my doctor for however long and i'm like okay i've been taking this out for a while know, there's no way I can just stick to doing this forever. So I'm just going to try to fight through it and not take it. So I gave my ad uh, it was either to my girlfriend at the time or somebody else. I'm just like, just hold on to this. Like, give it to me if I'm like at your doorstep, like banging on the door or something. Um, and then for the next seven days after my exams were over, um, I'm like, okay, I'm going to wean off of this. And the experience of weaning off a benzodiazepine was worse than the anxiety itself. Like those seven or eight days I got out of bed maybe twice. And I had to ask my mom to bring me everything. I'm just like, mom, I'm not doing okay. Like, can you please just bring me food? Um, I just laid in bed, took three naps and I was never that kid in the past. I was always active, always hanging out with people. And then those eight days were just, absolute hell. Like, you know, if like, again, I'm not a doctor, this is just like, if I were ever to go back to that experience again, like, I would have never taken um, that ad event from my doctor. Um, she did the right thing by giving me something to help me in that moment. But it was way worse than the panic attacks itself. Like I wish I could describe it, but I just want to clear it so far away from my mind that Like I was seriously a shell of myself. Wouldn't talk to anyone. Like wouldn't talk to my girlfriend at the time. I literally just stayed in bed and just like hurled up to a ball and stared at the wall. And like, I I don't know. It was just such a scary time for me. And eventually, you know, I, I got out of it, just like I've gotten out of everything. Um, And then for the next two years of my life, like I did not touch um, any, any hard drugs. And like that experience was, you know, the worst thing that I could have gone through. Um, you know, after those two years, um, I had placed in my first show, I had won, um, my men's physique competition. And then during that time, um, right afterwards, I'm like, okay, I haven't done this for two and a half years let's party up. Um, I have like, I just want to show I'm feeling great. This is awesome. And then, you know, a lot of 2019 was the same, same old crap. Um, I, you know, dabbled in hard drugs again. Um, I partied with, you know, the same friends that I used to back then. Um, and then eventually I made this decision, uh, in my life in a, in a really weird way, but I remember that, you know, I basically fall in love, fall in love with Aslan at this point and said I was going to chase her out to to Victoria, which I did. And I remember one of the very last nights that I was back home in Kelowna and I had a bunch of friends who wanted to say bye to me um, before I disappeared for a while. And it was a random Tuesday and they had all come by and they had, you know, bought a, brought a bunch of drugs and, and liquor and, we partied for a bit and i remember kind of looking around um seeing all these people um you know that i care about and that i still care about to this day And i just thought to myself it's tuesday in like april what the hell are we doing like wh- why is this why is this the play right now like why why has this become such a normal thing in my life Um, if anyone's anyone on the outside saw what we were doing they would think that this is is messed up and I really dug deep in that in that time frame and thought to myself like like is this the person that I want to be like I've grown up with this my whole life like through 2012 when I was in the 10th grade when I first tried Molly to right now it's been such a huge part of my life to just go through life while doing drugs on the weekend or partying at music festivals and things like that. And when I got to the darkest times of my life because of, you know, that drug abuse, um, I still decided I wanted to do it again. And then, you know, it came to that Tuesday when I saw everyone doing the same stuff uh, with the same people again and again, when I kind of realized that, you know, I've surrounded myself with this for so long that I've, I've considered this to be normal. You know I don't want my normal to be drugs <laughs> I want my normal to be something that I truly want and you know it took a lot of searching and maybe I didn't search for that answer in that moment or back home when I was in Kelowna but I know that leaving my city um, was the number one thing that I had to do um whether it have been to Toronto or Victoria. Those were my two options. Um, I ended up choosing Victoria, um, for a couple of reasons, obviously Asen is here. My best friend also lives in Toronto. So that was a, um, a hard decision to make. Um, but also it was still comfortable enough, but still far away for enough where I felt somewhat comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember when I, You know, as soon as I left, as soon as I left Kelowna, like the idea of doing drugs is never, like it's the farthest thing, like from my mind right now. Like it like it has not even crossed my mind. Um, You know, I still hear about music festivals happening in Taiwan, or I still hear about people being like, man, I can't wait for concerts to open up back up again. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited too, but I'm going dead sober. Like, you know, I'm loving what's happening right now. I love being in the position that I'm in. And I remember, you know, July maybe like fifth or sixth when I decided, okay, I need to figure out a a job here in in Victoria. And and I went to the keg and I went to the keg out here in Victoria. And they said to me like, you know, we don't have room for you right now. Like I know you're from another keg, but give us a call in like a month or so. And that's what I'm like. All right, well um, I'm either going to move back to Kelowna because I have no money and no job and just be this, be that dude who tried something and it didn't work out. And I came right back where, you know, I didn't want to be, or I'm going to bust my ass and make, you know, a business, a priority in my life. Um, when a lot of people didn't think, you know, it was going to be possible. So July 16th, you know, I remember like it was yesterday, I messaged my mentor. I'm like, Hey, Brian. Um, I'm ready, man. Like I, whatever you need me to do, man, like I'm, I'm in like, just tell me, tell me what I need to do. And that's the day that I got started with, you know, the 10 K Academy, which helped me build this business to where it's at today. And, you know, this, the reason that I'm bringing this up and the, the whole story of, of drug abuse is, you know, Brian, my mentor, he, he went through the same things in the past. You know, he battled drug abuse. He, he was a bartender at a nightclub. Um, in Calgary before he was like I just need to get out of this situation around the people that I'm around though I love them so much it's bringing me down uh, to a place where I don't want to be and you know like I vibe with that message so much to this day and I know that I care about each and every single one of my friends back home so so much and I know that they're happy for me for moving out here uh, and and chasing this dream Mm -hmm. and Like, you know, I can't thank thank them enough for, you know, the times that we've had and stuff like that. But the, um, like, I just, I just feel like I'm just so much happier here and I'm just happy, um, you know, what, with what we were able to, you know, with what we were able to build, um, I don't know, this, this whole journey of, you know, who I once was to like where I am today, um it's a, it's a lot to even process, even going through all those major stories in my life and talking about them with you right now. Like, like I never thought I I could say all of this stuff and not feel super weird about it, but that's, you know, that has been my, that has been my story. And, um, like, I know that whoever listens to this podcast, um, you know, like we, we all go through some sort of struggle and, you may not realize that you're going through a struggle in this moment too. Um, during the time where I was partying every weekend or, you know, doing Molly or doing this, this or that, like, I was just like, Oh, this is something that everyone does. This is 100% completely. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you really have to dig deep and think to yourself, like, do the people that you surround yourself with align with the vision that you have for yourself? You know, friends, you know, are, you like are amazing. They're there for you. You've been with them all your life, but like how many, how many of your friends do you still hang around with that you met um, in elementary school? How many do you hang out with from university or the new city that you live in? And Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of friends that I've had in the past that are, we're friends because we've known each other for so long. But when we talk about the things that we're doing in our lives or the things that interest us, we're in completely different categories, right? Sometimes you need to realize that you're going to grow apart from people. Uh, and sometimes changing your environment has to be the thing that you do, but it all starts with you realizing that there's an issue or realizing that what you're doing doesn't align with what you want to become. And, you know, like, I know there are people out there thinking like, man, I just don't know what to do next. I don't know. um, you know, like how to step away or change my environment, even if I wanted to, but you know, when you think about what to do next, you know, spend a day, spend a day or two and really write out all the things that make you happy and all the things that um you know bring bring value to your life and live every day to make sure that you do as much of that thing as humanly possible. For me, it's coaching, coaching my clients, seeing their transformation, seeing them, you know, work on themselves and stay motivated and message me like yo, I see a bicep vein. Like I got that, me- I got a message like that yesterday.
0: I saw that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I got a message like that yesterday. I'm like, oh my God, like this is the greatest feeling in the world. And getting check-ins from my clients, like it just makes me so happy uh, and just like progressing in their journeys. And I'm so happy to be um, a part of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a year ago, if I told anyone like, hey, I want to be an online fitness coach, they'd be like, oh, interesting. And that self-doubt would start to creep in um with yourself and the people around you though they may not say it you can always pick up that vibe if they don't truly believe in you right and you know surrounding myself with people who truly believed in me like you know my roommates now aslan now you know my my mentorship program and everyone in there who's just created this super strong community of all these people who want the same thing you know to coach other people to help them be um higher version of themselves like it it you know pushed off that imposter syndrome it made me think like hey if this guy's doing it and this guy's doing it i can absolutely do it Mm -hmm. so if you're struggling with like what to do next sit there write out all the things i could possibly make you happy and even the ones where you think ah this might not work out or "Ah, i there's no university course for that or anything like that dude there is so many things that you can go out there and do in your life. You just got to figure out how to get it done. The internet, amazing resource to make things happen. And, you know, in the past six months or yeah, in the past six months, we've built, you know, this business from the ground up to, you know, 66 online clients. And it it literally just comes from hard work and figuring out, you know, what you have to do next. Mm -hmm. And again, you may not know that you're struggling, but like really think if the things that you do completely align with that vision um, before you think what you're doing, like is 100 percent okay
0: mm-hmm. it was like oh man yeah <laughs> you, you got me in this in this state where one i'm motivated and then you have me all emotional as well like when you, especially the part right near like near the end when you basically just you saying like you sat there and you like do i go back home or do i figure something out and how you like talk to your mentor and you literally, you just took such a big step because you wanted something for yourself and you wanted to better yourself. And obviously you want to stay there with your girlfriend. And like, that's so, it's so inspiring to hear that. And I don't think enough people do that. Like the the mass majority of people honestly would probably sit there and be like, well, I have no money. I don't have a job option. I should just go home and literally do exactly what you said. Like Oh, I tried, didn't work. Oh, well, I'll go back, do the same thing that I was doing before. And for you, like you you took this step that like you're embracing what you love to do and you're doing exactly that. And like, you're making a massive difference. Like you, that like one of the reasons why I love always seeing all your social media stuff and everything that you do is because you're not just preaching body image and saying, Hey, yeah. You want to like, you don't talk about, okay. Yeah. Like you're going to get a six pack. This is what you do. Like you, like for you, it's you you want people to feel good about themselves and you, and it comes from like different avenues though. Like it's not all just about body image. It comes mm-hmm. down to like your mental, your mental state, how you actually feel like in a whole, like you're not, you're not starving yourself to the point where you look good. Like you're eating, you're doing all the right things. Like, you're you're really like benefiting people's value of life which is like the coolest thing (laughs) like it gets me so inspired and it like I just get so like so caught up in like everything that you say because it's like you can see how much you actually care about it and how how much it like how close you really hold it to your heart and it's hearing like where you've come from where you are now and literally that just that mindset change is like that's the biggest thing that I have picked up through all of your stuff is because obviously you were once at a state where I think a lot of people are in Kelowna like I don't Mm -hmm. know only a Kelowna thing but I think pretty common in Kelowna and just to see the the mindset change that you had and just how you really Kind of just like you went out and like you literally took—I don't know what the proper phrase would be without making it like a little weird—and maybe like some <laughs> locker room talk, but like you literally took life by the horns and yeah yeah, yeah, like and literally just <laughs> ran with it, and you were like you are absolutely killing it, which is just so inspiring. Thanks, my man.
1: Like, yeah, another thing that I want to say too is that a lot of people want to you know put in that work and put in that effort to whatever, um, whatever it is, starting a business, finish journey. Like those are the two things that I harp on um, yeah. the most, but like the people who are going to progress in this are the people who are just going to burn the boats and just give themselves absolutely no other option. There literally is no plan B it's like, this happens or you go back to nothing. Like yeah. I left, I left everything. I left my job. I left my mom. I left my friends. And I'm like, I'm coming to Victoria. and This is going to fucking happen. Like <laughs> I have no other option. Like you know, I, my first investment into my mentor, like I had 600 bucks in my bank account. I gave him 400 of that. I'm like, let's make this happen. I had, if, if like, if it didn't happen for me, I wouldn't have been able to make it home without asking my mom for money. Like I wouldn't have been able to pay the first little bit of rent for my sublease. I'm like, Hey, I have to make this happen. Like people are so okay with, you know, if this doesn't work out, I always have my second option and they get to you know, complacent, you know, with that first option, um, they just say, oh, it's fine. Like, I'll, I'll just revert back to this thing. It'll be okay. I'll be in the same spot and that's fine. Burn the boats, just burn the boats and just push forward and just yeah. go get it done. Like, make sure that's your only option and you're going to get it done.
0: Yeah. I think even like one of the other things too, is how you talk about like writing stuff down and like figuring out what you want to do, like take a couple days, figure out what you really want to do. I mean like that's something that I think a lot of people should definitely do. But even for myself, like on an everyday basis, like all that runs through my mind constantly is I think about how I'm going to basically it's every next step, like what's my next step in today. And so it's like right now I'm filming a podcast and it's like, that is definitely a good, a good stepping stone to what I want to do with my life. And then it's like, after I finish this podcast, am I just going to sit on a couch and watch Netflix or am I going to like take the next step? And it's, it's literally just figuring out what you want to do and where you actually want to see your life go. And that's the thing is like, what I've been harping on so many people like recently is just this, you actually like, you only at least remember living one time and you like right now, this is, This is your life. This is what you have. And you might not have a million dollars in your bank account. You might not have a million opportunities in the world, but you honestly, I truly believe this anyways. Like if you put your mind to it, like you can honestly like accomplish whatever you want to do and follow all of your passions. And like, for me traveling, um, just doing really spontaneous, adventurous stuff like that is so that's so me and that's so my life. And for me, what I'm trying to do right now is shape my life in a way that I can be compensated for doing that sort of stuff. Or I can still do what I love to do within like the business world while actually living my best life. And like, that's, that's exactly what it is. And it's like the same for you. Like you're doing exactly what you love in a place where you love to be and you're killing it over there. (laughs) And you're you're like, just, I literally have nothing but positive things to say. And I don't think I could I mean I could ramble on and on and on about everything that you've done but it's yeah it's remarkable to see for sure
1: yeah absolutely man and I know that I'm, I'm sure before like I don't think I've ever asked you this but I'm sure before you started you know your podcast you had a little bit of imposter syndrome or self-doubt or like is this really going to be as big as I want it to be and you know you see like all of these people and how much they support you and I'm sure that in the beginning, this is something that you dreamed about, but I'm sure you had those nights where that self-doubt came in and you're like, oh, you know, maybe this doesn't pan out. But, you know, day after day, you release podcast episodes, you're trying to grow your team, uh, you're trying to get endorsements and things like that. Like, there are a lot of people who will do four podcast episodes or whatever, or try to work towards their goal or hit the gym five times and be like, damn, I haven't made it yet. I'm all right. It's over. It's done but it's, it's not the five times you go to the gym or the five podcast episodes that you put up. It's the day after day, continuous work. Yes. You know what I mean? No, and that, that's, that's a quote that, that hits me. And it's literally on my wall. Like <laughs> success is never owned. It's only rented and rent is due every day. Like yeah. you want it, you do it every day. It has to be a part of your life. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think that too, like, so true. Even today, like I've had, there's like, something super cool that will be announced at some point, but I just got, yeah, like it was something that was super cool. And I just like started grabbing my phone. I called both my parents about it and everything. And I was like, you'll never guess what just happened. And it's even like, when you get so excited about it, you want everyone to feel the exact same. And I mean, like most cases, like that's not going to be the case because they're not the ones that are sitting in their room or sitting in their office all day long like doing this stuff and putting in the work and like seeing like when it's a little bit of success like it feels like the best thing in the world and so for me when like today when this happened I was like on the phone with my mom and I was like she was obviously excited but it's like not it doesn't even compare to my excitement and then same like with my dad like it's the same thing. Like both were so excited for me, but at the same time, it's like, it doesn't feel like that that same thing. And then that's when that self, self, <laughs> self-doubt comes in and you start to question a couple of things. And I mean, like, especially when I started, there was always like, obviously right before I released everything, I was like, geez, like, I hope this works. I hope, like, it's just, it feels like a lot of hoping, but I think the biggest thing that has helped me is just realizing like that I believe in it and not really necessarily caring if everyone in my like everyone that I consider to be like a huge part of my life cares as much as I do because like they're not going to because they're not the ones that are putting in all those hours and in reality not everyone's gonna like what you do you can't Mm -hmm. control how people how people feel about like what you're doing or how people even feel about you and your passions and everything and I think that's like the part of it is just being so passionate about it that you'll never let anyone's negativity bring you down and you'll never ever let it crush what you're doing. It's like, if you're passionate, you run with it and exactly burn all the boats that are, that are in the way or that will like, just give yourself no other option than moving forward.
1: Yeah. You're, you're never going to make every single person in your life happy with whatever decision that you make. And if that's the case, you've literally made decisions not for yourself you you did it to appease someone else and is that really like a life that you want to continue to live like me doing this me coming out to victoria and pursuing this i remember people would ask me like what are you like planning to do out there and i'm like oh i'm probably gonna go back to the keg and i didn't really want to say i'm gonna try to become an online coach or anything like that because i was scared about it not working and them asking me oh how's it going and me being like oh it's you know it's going it's (laughs) it's not it's not going bad and then I realized I need to get out on social media and promote myself as an online coach. If people want to use me as an online coach. So, you know, the first post that I made, I'm like, Oh God, what are people going to think? You know, second post. And now I've been posting consistently five times a week for the past like six months. And you know, at this point, I'm sure everyone and their brother knows that I'm an online coach, which is the goal. Right. Um, And yeah, like, I don't know it just to touch on like the drug abuse story, like one last time, um, there are a lot of people out there who, you know, may think it's not that bad. Like I just do it on the weekends. I just do it here and there. I just do it uh, when I go out uh, and stuff like that. But imagine all the time, energy, money, and bad choices that you've made in those times. And you could have been putting that towards something else. Not only that, imagine how much those drugs or those events have affected your brain chemistry in a way where, you feel that depression, you feel that anxiety and like you may not notice it immediately after like you're, you're going to have a great time or whatever. Then the next day you might feel a little bit down, but over time you compound all of these times together over and over and over again. How are you going to feel when you're 30? You know, how are you going to feel when you're 28 or, or whatever? Like eventually it's going to catch up and it, it all starts with realizing that it's an issue and. I never really realized it was an issue until, you know, that Tuesday, when I saw all of my friends and myself just messed up again, knowing that this is going to be the last time that I hang out with them for a really long time and knew that this is no longer a part of my life. And, you know, it, it's something that I definitely think was a, a factor in what kind of dragged me down into pursuing what I wanted to pursue. And I am beyond grateful to get on this platform and share exactly everything that happened, um, back then when I lived in Kelowna and, you know, I, I'm comfortable now, now to share this story because like, I know that I'm a different person and I know what I stand for. And I know that, you know, that's not something that I'm ever going to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, the things that I've seen in my life grow just from being out here, making these major changes. Like I never, ever, ever, ever want them to stop. And I never want to stop changing or helping, you know, other people transform their lives. Um, and I just want to make sure that I keep, keep going on my man.
0: I love it. Yeah, no. And I mean, obviously it's been a huge honor having you on here and huge honor or just so humbling having you share your story and it's so inspiring and like just everything that you've talked about and the depth that you've actually gone into. I mean, like, that's what, that's what I love to have happen. I love when people dig right deep into their stories and literally share the most vulnerable parts about themselves and about their story. And it is insane, but I just have two, or I guess a couple little questions before we we kind of wrap everything up. But um, what would be kind of like your biggest tip of advice that you would ever give somebody that's struggling with mental health?
1: my biggest piece of advice for someone who would be struggling with mental health um, i would definitely say to reach out and talk to somebody um there is always going to be people who are dealing with the same things that you're going through uh, and keeping it silent and keeping it bottled up inside um you know may not help you you know talking with other people getting opinions getting professional help is is definitely the way to go um like like i said um me holding this story in for so long and not kind of putting it out there while I progressed, you know, in my career, I was just so worried about one day this is going to come back and, and bite me or haunt me or something like that. And knowing that I can share this story like on my terms and know that there are other people who, before I even released this episode, who have reached out to me being like, I'm so excited to hear your story because I've been going through the same thing. Yeah. There's, there's 7 billion people on this earth. Someone is going to relate to your story or understand how you feel. So just please like reach out to someone. And when it comes to um, the piece of advice, when it comes to kind of like my story, mine was surround yourself with people who align with your vision, no matter what, uh, no matter what that means you have to cut out of your life. Like if you're surrounded by people who do something negative, it's gonna, you're gonna think it's normal and it's gonna be hard to break that cycle because it's it's all that you know. So if you're doing something that you're not sure if it's really something that aligns with your vision or what you want to happen in your life, really write down everything that you want in your life. Take, like, I feel like a lot of people hear that piece of advice and they're like, okay, I think I know what I want, but they, they don't take the hour to literally no distractions, piece of paper. What do I love in my life? And what do I want? And you don't leave that chair until you really write it out and think to yourself, does that thing that I'm doing on the weekends or whatever align with that vision? And yeah. that's what really changed it for me.
0: Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. And what I, I feel like I, I feel like you already said it, but what's your biggest, or what's your, uh, what's kind of like a quote that you live by or shape your life off of?
1: Okay. Well, the one that you're thinking of is the rent is due every day. Yeah. Success is not owned. It's, it's <laughs> only rented. Um, but one that will relate to this story when it comes to your environment is um, when you put a shark in a fish tank, it'll grow to about eight inches. You know, when you put a shark in the ocean, it'll grow to about eight feet. All right. So, you know, the environment that you put yourself in um, is how, like the potential in which you're going to grow. If you're going to put yourself into a small box uh, with small thinking or um, something like that, that's as much as you're going to grow. But if you allow yourself to be in an environment where you can really flourish and do the things that you want to do, you can grow to your fullest potential. So I love the analogy of the sharks. And the other one that I have on my vision board that I've had here, and I always look at it is, it all begins and ends in your mind. What you give power to has power over you, if you allow it. If you think positively, you're going to notice the positive things happening. If you think negatively, you're going to notice negative things happening. Always think about the positive as much as possible. Don't think about, you know, what things, what negative things you want to change in your life. Think about the positive things that you're going to add into your life and always frame things in the positive.
0: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> sorry. Um, no, that's no, that's like incredible. And, um, I mean, I know that there's going to be a lot of, just from the things that you said, there's going to be a lot of people that want to talk to you and what a lot of people that want to reach out to you and obviously have some conversations with you and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that have a lot of questions for you. Where could they actually reach you at?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to go on to Instagram uh, at Keith James fit and just hit me with a message um, I'd love to chat about whatever it is that you want to chat about uh, or on Facebook, um, Keith Arrington. Uh, if you want to search me up on there, it's the exact same profile and whatnot. I'd love to chat, um, you know, like, I understand that with sharing this story, there are going to be a lot of people that relate and I'm just excited to hear everyone else's story. And I really hope that, you know, some of my friends back home in Kelowna listen to this story and, you know, know that I still love them and and want to reach out because I miss talking to these, these guys a lot too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's incredible. And thank you so much once again, Keith, for coming on. And I mean, every single time we talk, it's, it's a great conversation. And we always definitely exceed our, all the time limits that we kind of, ourselves, but that's, that's the best part about it. And I think we always have these good conversations cause we have a lot of things on the go and our minds are always racing and we always have all these like really deep topics that we can touch into. And I mean, the deepest conversations honestly make, make for building the kind of the best relationships and it's, yeah. it's always a pleasure. It's always an awesome time. Absolutely,
1: man. Like I can honestly count on probably one hand, the amount of times we've actually sat down and talked and every time it's been over like an hour and a half. Yeah. And that's how you can tell, like, you know, if, if we had ever hung out in the past or like we ever like meet up with each other in call or something, like I know we'd be, you know, such good homies and hang out because every time we talk from the very first time to right now, it's been amazing conversation, man. And, you know, I love what you do and I'm, I'm so happy that you had me on here, bro.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah, honestly, thank you again and uh we'll we'll definitely keep in contact soon and i'm so excited to release your podcast absolutely man. all right thank you so much my man peace yep. out okay talk to you later thanks so much for listening to another episode of struggle create strength i hope everyone enjoyed keith's story and i encourage you to reach out to him and have some vulnerable conversations with him if you want to reach me or come on the podcast you're more than welcome to at struggle create strength on both instagram and facebook or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. Be sure to share the podcast with all your friends and family, as every single person that it reaches means that there's more opportunity to help someone else. Thanks so much for listening, and just remember that everyone has a story.